0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fintech Futures AI Insights event here in the heart of London. My name is Tyler Pay. I'm a reporter here at Fintech Futures. And uh, today, among our many guests who have joined us here up in uh, level 19 of our office is uh, Matthew Chung. Matthew, how are you?
1: Very well, thank you. Thank you. What do you make of our event? it has been fantastic. Everyone's very curious about AI.
0: That's it. Well, exactly. If we're going to be getting a little bit more into uh, into the technology um, during our conversation here, but why don't you just give our give our audience a little bit of snapshot of, of who you are?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Matthew Chung. I'm CEO, of one of the co-founders of White Pushball.
0: Fantastic. Well, I think the 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 leading question from from that, you know, is is what is White Main, mainly? What is its core services and who are they for?
1: So we're a data sharing and workflow automation platform. We focus very much on capital markets. So our our customers are uh, banks, buy sides, brokers, exchanges, trading venues, data companies, anyone who has a problem in capturing unstructured data and being able to share. So typically um, customers will work with, they'll use our platform, which is a no-code platform, to be able to get real-time data in, uh, in, in, from sources such as a spreadsheet or in a chat platform, or maybe sort a third-party platform via an API, get that into our service, you're able to map and enrich it, and you can share it in real time to one of your clients, for example, who may want to consume it in a spreadsheet or chat or an API. So we sit in the middle uh, and doing all the heavy lifting in terms of the integrations and then providing what we call this omni-channel approach. So if I'm a customer and I have some data, I can connect it into us. You can deliver it into you know, the right application at the right time and the right place. Well,
0: that's really, really uh, important. And we'll get along onto the the topic of data in just a sec. But in terms of like the the workflows that are based on Gen.AI that you've built for the capital markets industry, I mean, can you give us an example of, of one of those?
1: We, we're a technology company, so it keeps out on... On AI for a long time, but I think a big, uh, big change in adoption and perspectives, and people wanting to learn more about AI, obviously happened this time last year when ChatGPT came out, and that has been fantastic for our company because we've always been building chatbots, been building chatbots for about five years now, and customers are now looking at how can they utilise. Chat GPT, which they played probably played around with in their spare time, how can they utilize it in their business? And if their business is like financial markets and capital markets and sales and trade, it's not always that accessible to go and use Chat GPT on a regulated trading desk. So where we come in is, you know, we're able to then through well, the previous kind of eight years of our company, we've spent a long time building this data integration platform. We've built 20 odd integrations into, I've already mentioned kind of Excel chat and API, but also things like a blotter on a trader's desk. We've got web apps, mobile apps, desktop containers like OpenFin and Finsemble, a whole variety of places where people in the front office kind of live and breathe. So you've got the data integration platform. We've got the actual end user integrations into these different applications. We've got our own bot framework. So in our chatbot framework, you can configure a bot once and it will work across all these different applications. And now you add a large language model, or AI wants it, and all of a sudden the entire kind of stack that we've built becomes yeah, kind of 10x more than what it was, which has been fascinating for us. So customers, uh, we've been talking to customers about um, generative AI probably since about f- January, February of this year. And obviously, ChatGPT came out end of November last year. So we we very much, um, like I said, kind of was geeked out on, on AI, and, and and already had expertise kind of in the house. So we then started to bring uh, some of the tools that's available for for all the consumer, you know, like ChatGPT into our platform. Uh, every single conversation we had with customers, that so kind of in springtime, every single one was touching on Gen, A- Gen AI. Which, I, which is no no doubt, you know, why you've had this conference today. Just <laughs> so much curiosity around for it, and we we then started embarking on a few different projects. Yeah, we've we've done a project with uh, AWS where mm-hmm. they have their own uh, machine learning kind of component built on called Bedrock. Within Bedrock, you can then select different large language models. So we've done a project using Anthropic Claude, which is a large language model very similar to GPT four. And, you know, we're using that uh, in production. We've got customer using it where they're using it to capture prices that are seeing in chat and receiving from their clients, taking that, adding structure onto it, then using it to generate more data and insights uh, and automation as well. So that's kind of one use case. There's another use case with a major uh, European exchange where that's more based on kind of NLP and natural language where we can connect to large data sets like reference data and index data. We can make that data available via a chatbot. We've been doing that for many years already, but now you use AI and large language models, so you can have a natural language input rather than more of a command line kind of input to it. Um, And then we've got some asset managers that are using it who are consuming, again, prices and so on, coming from different counterparts. We're able to take that aggregates it, so it makes their workflow more efficient. And for us, in every application generative AI that we're seeing it, we, um, we, our customers are using it to make process more efficient. And that's ultimately, I think was mentioned in, in the conference where it's taken the drudgery away from like, the manual processes that people are doing. And that exists universally, whichever job you're in. Yeah. And in, in sales and trading and the kind of front office world of financial markets, Anything that's traded OTC, not anything, but most of the things that's traded OTC, is still done manually, copy paste double click, uh, d- double keying things, and um, jumping into different applications. So we were able to stitch to all of that together. We've always been able to do that, but then AI has been uh, it has accelerated the the technology kind of roadmap that we have, and has accelerated people's. Um, perspective on using technology like this because people are willing to take some risks and, and look at okay how can I use AI in my business but when I say take the risk it means that people are quite happy to create VOC or projects and if it fails they're not they don't really care they just want to try, and try the technology whereas we've been using it now for quite a long time so we're kind of beyond this experimental phase and it's already okay. In. Exactly. If you've got this problem, we can solve it. If you've got this problem, we can solve it. If you've got this problem, we can help you solve it, and we can work collaboratively, collaboratively yeah. together on it.
0: That's really, really interesting. I mean, you know, we, we, one of the major takeaways that I personally had from this event is people have been like, "How can we use AI? Where can we use AI?" And it's companies like yours that are really sort of delivering those solutions and and really thinking sort of quite outside the box, really, in terms of what it's what is sort of immediate uses are, you think, well, well, actually, this can work for something else as well, where there are other problems. Um, Of course, a major theme today and throughout this financial year at large has been AI. Um, This event coincides almost, unfortunately, I think one week short of the one-year anniversary of um, the launch of ChatGPT, right, Um, of other language models. But one other thing that we also talked a lot about today, maybe not as uh, um, not as intentionally, is is data and the use of data. Now, um, you know, as well as in your work, in in my work, I see a lot of of use of data, of harnessing it, of um, uh, like uh, harvesting it as well. You know, where to find the best information. And for the financial services industry, it's become sort of like the water of life. Why
1: do you think that is? Well, what's interesting at the moment is everyone is now thinking about, you know, what's our AI strategy? And you can't have an AI strategy without a data strategy. And what's happened to a lot of big financial institutions is in the last 15 years or so, People have been having data lakes and data houses and data warehouses and all all these different types of way of capturing silo data and trying to get it into one area. So all of that really is to get you to a point where you can start extracting useful insights and analytics from that data to help you predict things that might happen in the future. So there's no AI strategy, there's no data strategy. And with having data, the other piece that you need as well is integrations into that data and and I think that's where the market and where we're positioned at the moment is, is particularly interesting because we're getting to this point now where if you do have data that sits inside Snowflake for example there's certain ways you can connect to it you know using SQL like language to query it which is not that usable to your average person who might be working in a back office role and now you can have chat as an interface to connecting to that data, which is re- which is really, really interesting. The other piece is around having, um, if you want to be able to uh, get more value from data that's not in this data warehouse, where does all that data sit? It's still being manually shared around in a conversation, maybe face-to-face, that's probably quite difficult to capture, but definitely on a, co- a voice conversation Yeah, a lot of the world's markets are still traded via voice, you know, people talking on the phone. And if it's not a voice, it's in chat, or it's people typing into chat platforms. We go back and forth after we agree something, then I go into a different system to double key it. That type of workflow um, means that the data is only captured after someone books it in the system, and downstream from there it's all captured. But what happens before? And this is the bit where we kind of live and breathe that we're operating is we can capture all of this data that's never been captured before, so then there's a lot of there's a lot of value in there, so there's different ways you can capture it as well. You can be capturing it for uh, to, to to gather prices for that for the for the user. you could be doing it to gather analytics and insights you could be doing it to help like trade surveillance. Mm-hmm. There's many different use cases using the same technology to to be able to capture the information so I think data is there's many different levels of data. Where we live is is on the kind of end user generated bits of data where it may be, you know, maybe one price where it might be a list of prices that you can see with your eyes on a spreadsheet. That type of data so far has fallen outside of any of these big data projects. So I think it's super interesting. So that's now going to be added into the mix as well. And again, AI is an enabler for that because it enables you to capture that data structure it, using it, you know, if it was an image, you use computer vision on it. If it's, if it's a conversation, you could use a large language model on it. Whichever, which, whichever AI kind of tool or approach you take, it makes it easier to send the unstructured information, put a structure on it, and again, automate it or gather some analytics or insight on it.
0: You know, and then those that will be turning to, to Ikebush pull will be able to squeeze every drop out of their data in a way and and really put it to best use, you know, um, in such a competitive landscape, I think it really is necessi- a necessity for firms to really be tapping all of their resources to the max. Um, and it, it sounds like that that's, you know, your company is in right in the center of that ability. Um, in terms of mixing something like AI with sort of, um traditional like financial mapping and passing tools. How does high push pull allow that to happen?
1: So our our service does a number of things where we're connecting to data that be sitting in these other applications comes into our service, we can map it, transform it, enrich it, and then fire it off into another application. The bit that's, the bit that we've kind of got to now is again, is I think everyone has this idea of the speed and the pace of how stuff's happening. It's quite overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. It's moving so, I mean, even this week, you know, you know a lot of things have happened, And where we kind of sit in, and what we've learned in this fast market of AI is actually, there's a number of approaches you can take. You've got on one end, there's large language models, which are pre-trained but some of them actually don't work that well in very specific financial market workflows. And actually for some of those financial market workflows, you could use something as simple as mapping. Because if I'm trading a particular product, there's only four ways I may ever ask for a price in that particular product. And there might be only three ways or two ways you respond to it. So then it's very simple just to map those together. And you may kind of put put some things in there to... To cope with if something was spelled wrong or you you know yeah, was typed a different way around. you can cater for that in like mapping, you yeah, know mapping tools, which we have already. So you're mapping on one end, you've got large language models on the other, and then in between, where we've kind of got to now, is you've then got these narrow models or a uh, process specific model, and then and then you've got parsing as well. Now, what's been quite interesting for us is as a as a company. We're not we're not an AI company. We're a uh, capital markets, and kind of technology company. But now AI is so easy to use, it's kind of have it's got everyone's focus on how you can utilize these tools. Now, if you look at a uh, mapping we we're doing anyway, but if you look at parsing and you look at narrow models, the specific machine learning models, we've now hired an AI engineer that's building some specific models for specific use cases. These two things have been around for like 10, 20 years. We could have actually done that 10 years ago, but the only reason we didn't is we always thought it's going to be a little bit more to, to uh, bite off than we tune, having like AI and NLP. It's always something that's been on our roadmap by like two, three years out. And what's changed now, rather than being two or three years out, you can do it right now today because it's so easy, but these things off the shelf. But then what we've discovered is the things off the shelf are not always fit for some of the use cases that we want. So we've gone back to more traditional methods. Okay. So, but anyway, I think that just to, to kind of I suppose, recap that is it doesn't really matter what's going on under the hood. If I'm a customer, I've got a problem and all my pain is, and I'll understand the value in it if it can be solved. And we're a software vendor. So we're about solving problems and giving value to our customers. What we have now with all the kind of technology pieces, is super interesting and intellectually stimulating. But as a customer, they don't really care what's happening underneath the hood. Yeah. But you don't care what's happening on your cloud service when, yeah, you know, what's happening on an AWS and what databases I've deployed. I just care about something that needs to pop up on my screen. And yeah. That's it. It's similar to a the customer, they want to solve a problem. So they don't really care about the tech stack. So again, where we sit in the middle is we can take care of the heavy lifting, finding what's the most appropriate approach or model for doing a particular use case. And over time, that will just expand and expand, and then it will just kind of disappear. And again, it's just a component that nobody talks about.
0: One of the major points of discussion at today's event has been the integration of AI technology into chat platforms. How do you think such an integration revolutionizes uh, trade workflows in the capital markets industry?
1: Chat has been prevalent in capital markets for a long, long time. You know, you've had Bloomberg. There's, there's, uh, you know, Bloomberg's probably one of the oldest fintechs. Yeah. And you know, they've had IB chat. That's been around for a long time. Before that, there was a, there's a uh, FX trading platform called FXall. And it had this very simplified uh, messaging ability to, to talk to one another. So chat's been around in financial markets for a long time because of the need for you to always communicate to your counterparties to talk about trades and so on. So it's nothing new having chat. But what's really interesting now is then having um, chat as an interface into AI, because mm-hmm. and that's what ChatGPT is, right? You, know, mm-hmm. you can just ask it anything and it returns a very great answer. Yeah. And now people have, um, have started to use that. They start to think, okay, well, what's my chat strategy? How can I use AI? across the chat platforms, or across the, uh, the different applications I like have internally. So what what we're seeing is people embracing chat in a bit of a different way now because of what's happened with AI. It's people are like, okay, we've got these chat platforms and all these desktops. How can we use these tools? So where we come into it is, you know, we have our own chatbot framework. You can put a chatbot, into one of these particular chats, and then you can plug in your know, different large language models or other models like we were discussing. The interesting thing in capital markets or financial markets is obviously it's a regulated industry. And because it's regulated, it means, I think one of the topics of discussion today and is always around how can you trust an AI model if it's giving some sort of decision on something? So, where we stand is, you still retain and keep the human in the loop in any decisions. And what you're doing is you're enabling that, like I said earlier, the drudgery. You know, we could, we can automate all of the painful manual processes that people do. And if you if you take the, you know, there might be something on a particular trading desk where if they happen to book something post trade, it might take them five, 10 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes to book something. Instead of doing that, what you can do instead is if I've got a, a chat that's sitting in there. I can take that information, I can structure it, I could turn it into you know, a ticket or fire it off directly into an API. And then all of a sudden, I've saved five to 20 minutes work down to a few seconds. Now, what you do is you keep the human in the loop there, because when it extracts that information, it can display it to the human, you know, the trader or the salesperson, they check it. And okay. then they can fire him off into a different system. So that's where the, the cross-sharping sort of comes in. So, yeah. So, yeah. so then the humans, you know, the human and they say copilot, but the human and they are copilots to each other. Okay. You know, They're helping each other. Like in this, you know, that's what happens in a plane, right? You mm-hmm. have the two pilots helping each other, and then you have the automatic copilot. pilot It's the same concept. But the key difference is, is the human is a regulated individual working in a regulated company, right? So, therefore, you're you're helping that that particular user because they're reducing their time to do something into seconds when it was taking 20 minutes each time. You're keeping it in a regulated environment, and you've still got the human as the ultimate decision maker. And more what happened in time is you will be more like a cockpit, where the humans just overseeing various processing yeah you know, pro- processes, and they're just watching a dashboard of things, and the human will intervene when they need to. That is the general direction of travel that, that we're seeing. What
0: can we expect iPushPool to do next?
1: So we've had a a, a great year. 2023 has been fantastic for our company. Yeah, with the advent of Chat GPT, it's kind of put this focus all into chat and AI and data, which is kind of what we do. Um, and we also had a funding round, which we closed six months ago. Oh, so you. we had um, yeah, a major financial institution you know uh, led a strategic investment into the company. And those two things have just... Enable us to go even faster with what we're doing. So I think next year is all about um, productizing a lot of the um, solutions that we've been building for customers. So there's totally blood and play, so people can move quicker. Because I think someone made the comment earlier from uh, another company where they took something into production in you know from from idea to two months. We can do that from an idea to like you know in a few hours. Really, because of the nature of all of the data integration we've got the application integrations and in the bot framework. So very much for us next year is expanding out the range of different touch points that we have with integrations, be it more chat platforms, yeah, other industry kind of platforms like OMSs and EMSs and trading platforms and so on, um, as well as adding more uh, predictive analytics or data enrichment um, and just having, just doing a lot more in chat because going back a few years ago during COVID, that was another really interesting year for us because everyone was working at home. The only means of communication was to use chat platforms. So every, all of a sudden, yeah, Microsoft Teams users went from uh, I think there were like three or five or maybe even ten million users from there to three hundred million users during COVID because everyone uses Microsoft. In you know most most uh, big companies use Microsoft. It's prevalent everywhere. So so something like that again plays plays nicely into kind of where we are. Now, I think now that people are using something like Teams, for example, by any chat platform, really, but if you're using it for a video call or using it just for chatting to someone, what more can I do? And then I'm, now I'm aware of Chat and what you can do there with agents and things like that. How can you start bringing these things together into your business? But importantly, how can you add value into what you're doing? How can you be more efficient? How can I automate things? And that's, the, that's always the target for our customers. It's either delivering a better client experience for their clients using our tools, or it's making their own processes more efficient and ultimately so they can automate uh, a lot of these manual processes away.
0: That's, that's really, really fascinating. And you know, you've got a good year ahead, well, you're coming off as a good year, as you said, and you've got a good year ahead of you. Just You've got a fresh capital in, in your sales. You've got the whole industry really watching what you're doing and like, waiting on tender hooks to see what you're going to do next. Um, in terms of, you know, the spirit of collaboration within the industry, are you, are you going to be looking at, are you know, not confirming or denying anything at the moment, but are you going to be maybe looking at working with other companies or, 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 or uh, engaging in collaboration?
1: Yeah, well, we've been a very collaborative company since yeah. since the start. And that's the nature of, yeah you know, we're based in London, and London has a fantastic capital markets, fintech ecosystem. And the nature of the, the ecosystem means that we all, personally kind of know one another really well so so pretty much everything we do we make sure it interoperates with other companies there's various standards that, that have been formed in different facets of capital markets that we all adhere to so it means that when you uh, when companies are looking at building uh, their own solutions using best of breed products it just works out of the box and this yeah, interoperability has been a key um, theme for the, the last year or two, but I think we'll continue to move forward because there's there's interoperability on the desktop, there's interoperability of data, there's, there will be interoperability of machine learning models, which is already kind of happening where you've got these kind of multi-chain models and so on, multimodal models, you know, having the ability for uh, even having AI to select which is the best bottle to go to. <laughs> yeah, you know, so all of that I think is is um collaboration both on the technology level and on a company and industry level. But yeah, we're highly collaborative.
0: Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to talk to you today, uh Matthew Chung, CEO of iPhone. I could talk to you all day, but um thank you so much for for sitting down with me for this conversation and again for for attending our event. I hope to see you again very soon. Yep, thank you, Matthew very much.